Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Great new inventory Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great pre owned inventory, fabulous. Uh, Sales staff, they'll work with you. There's a big reason. There's lots of reasons why sales are high across the board. It's a great time to buy with some great deals. And the service department that backs this up all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. We always talk about Fernando Tatis Jr. with his bat. How about flashing a little leather against the Dodgers? And he grounds it up the middle. Tatis dives. He'll flip or roll to second base to get the out. Nicely done. Great diving play to get there. And then he flips it a few hops to Cronenworth covering it second for the out of Gavin Lux. Don Ursula with the call on the Padres TV network last night. Fernando Tatis. By the way, the Dodgers became the first team to clinch a playoff spot. So they're in. One of, is it 72 teams in? How many How many do they have in, in baseball? No, 305. 16. 16 teams. <laughs> 16. I'm sorry. I had to throw that out there. You're just kind of becoming kind of a mean guy. I mean, it's, you know, I, just, I just want a little Luke influence so, you know, by, by the meanness. You can get that from his Uncle Kevin. All right, so um, <laughs> too many across the board, too many in the tourney potentially, too many in baseball. <laughs> All right, uh, final half hour. Sandy Barber, James Franklin from their press conference earlier today. You hear their thoughts on what's going on. Uh, first, uh, let's get to Anthony Trash, Pro Football Focus. Anthony, we welcome you back. It's great to have you with us. Been pretty well. How you've been doing? Doing well, uh, very well. Uh, I now have games to announce down the road. All right, so <laughs> let's start with that. Uh, so, with the Big Ten now on uh, on a track to come back, how important is now that going to be in your ratings? And how how tough was it going to be to rate players that weren't playing? I mean, obviously there there's some opt outs, but you would have had in mass a group of people you were going to try and rate on a draft board that weren't playing. What kind of difference does this now make for you from your point of view? I mean, it, it kind of throws a wrench in everything, too, especially with the you know the simulations and the, the uh, season projections in our ELO system just because, you know, of the impact of various players. I mean, it's, it's very, very different, you know, at the college level just because, you know, we mentioned positional value you know, at the NFL, and it's very distinct at that level. But at, at the college level, you know, to a certain degree, you know, you, you typically don't see running backs and, you know, off-ball linebackers very valuable at the NFL level. But in college, it's different. With a guy like Micah Parsons, I mean, that's that's an outlier right there. That, sure. that guy means a lot to Penn State. So that kind of 
throws a wrench into all of that. And of course, you know, like we were talking, uh, I believe it was last week about the draft. I mean, it, it's just, um, it's a unique and different situation too. And it, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what, what happens to, I, I mean, I, I hope it doesn't happen, but I have a feeling there at some point in time, we're going to see a star player have to sit out because they have COVID. And then, you know, next thing you know, that might ruin a team's playoff odds, especially if it's, you know, say a guy on the level of like Justin Fields at Ohio State or Trevor Lawrence at Clemson, if they, you know, get it before a big game, that could really hurt the team. So it's going to be interesting to see how everything goes. All right. Uh, over the past weekend, uh, there were a few games that were played. Who who came out of there rated highly on, on your board from last weekend, just on, on a game rating? Yeah, so there were a lot of standout quarterbacks last week. I will say that. And, you know, of the guys, I wouldn't say any of them were, you know, consistently clear-cut number one just because they were all, I mean, just ridiculously great this game. Um, but, of course, Spencer Rattler, uh, Trevor Lawrence, I mean, those are the the knowns. If you, I mean, if you watch the game, you can just see both of them barely missed. I think each of them maybe had one uncatchable pass all game long. I mean, Trevor Lawrence was out there making NFL-level throws that – I don't think anyone else in college football could really make. So those two were our top two graded quarterbacks. But another one that's been kind of flying under the radar, and, you know, myself and my colleague here at PFS, Seth Galina, we were talking before the season, we really pegged this guy as a breakout player, and he played like it this past week, and that's Jared Dagey, the quarterback of West Virginia. And I know it was an FCS defense, but, I mean, he made he did things that it's really, really rare for a college quarterback to do. There was one throw he did have, and uh, Seth actually broke this down on Twitter, where he manipulated a linebacker to open up a window for a throw downfield easy for him. And, the, I mean, the, the, that wasn't even – I mean, that was a great part about it. But then the it, it was – there was so much, you know, timing and anticipation there for him with the throw that it was just – it was unbelievably great. that he finished uh, right behind – Rattler and Lawrence, but I mean, these guys, those were our top three with Kenny Pickett in there as well. He was kind of a surprise, but I mean, at the end of the day, it was Austin P. But um, yeah, Jerry Daggy, he came over from Bowling Green a few years ago to West Virginia last year, played four games, looked incredibly better. I mean, just a better supporting cast all around. He, his accuracy was far better, getting, you know, get, actually getting some clean pockets. And, you know, I, I think that he's kind of one of the guys that we're going to see the breakout continue. Uh, what about the wide receiver from Arkansas State who caught the game winner in that uh, victory for them over Kansas State? How'd he do? Yeah, he's another one. He actually um, he wasn't the highest graded wide receiver of the week, but he was he was very very close. He's right around eighty point oh for us, mm-hmm. and he's an, he's another one um, that we feel he's going to continue to break out. I mean, he was great last year for him, but you know even with his size, he really struggled to really win at the catch point. And, you know, obviously this past weekend, that was no issue at all. I mean, he looked completely different than he did last year. He's just far more stronger there. You know, his and ball skills are rapidly improving. So I, I think, you know, every all he had all the promising signs you could possibly want in that game. And he's another one with Daggy. I, I think he's going to continue to put up numbers, especially if Wayne Hatcher is the quarterback for Arc State and they don't. Yeah. They get away from that two quarterback system with Logan Bonner there. I mean, no disrespect, Logan Bonner. Kind of, it's just a bad situation for him because I mean, you never really want to see a guy lose his job because of an injury. But I mean, in this case, Lane Hatcher is the better quarterback, and I think those two can be a dynamic duo. It's interesting. They didn't, you know, he did not. Uh, Anderson did not steer away from his plan as how he played. It was his turn to be out there, so he put him out there. I mean, I thought that was interesting. Who was who's your number one receiver for the week? 
number one receiver. I, I think you could probably throw a few different guys in there. So on our PFF team of the week, I think Kashawn Carter from Texas Tech and Thomas Hennigan from uh, App State. I think those two kind of had are, are probably the best ones. I think I was most impressed with Joshua Moore of Texas. You know, he had a 81.3 receiving grade for the game, had over 120 yards receiving. And I, I really liked his performance especially. And, again, it was a bad defense there they're facing but I was very concerned with you know how Texas receivers would be this year right. after losing Colin Johnson and DuVernay but he was a guy that emerged and so I'm a little bit more confident in this Texas team moving forward and again it was a bad defense but you have to have mm-hmm. those standout performances against a bad defense to show any signs of promise and he certainly did that uh, Alan Bowman uh, Texas Tech's quarterback his father played here at Penn State so how, how do you think he did yeah, he didn't play too bad. He, I mean, it was the classic, you know, Alan Bowman game. I mean, it wasn't anything spectacular like what we saw, like, from Lawrence Rattler, Daggy, and Kenny Pickett. But it wasn't a complete liability either. It was in the mid-70s, his passing grade was. And he's, he's pretty much, um, you know, I don't want to call him a game manager, but he's just a very – he's not going to do anything, you know, more than he asked to do. And you can win with that. And so I think – you know he's 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 a good quarterback, but I don't I don't see him ever getting out of you know that mid tier type of level. Uh, all right, Spencer Rattler. Uh, you know this is Missouri State, but it's the debut, and you say, yeah. I mean it went. I I was not even expecting against Missouri State. I was not expecting for him to do what he did. I mean he made incredible throws all over the field. I mean there was a couple times. He took a bad couple of bad sacks in there, but I mean he he is a, not a true freshman, but you know it's his first time really seeing the field for the first time in a start. So you're going to expect those pocket presence issues. That's typically the number one thing you see every single college quarterback struggle with when they first see you know a start at the collegiate level. It's just a different speed there. So I, I think that's something he'll improve on, no doubt about it. It's one of the easier things. I mean it's never easy to improve on, but it's of all the traits, that's the one that can be built on probably the easiest down the road but I mean his accuracy just pure arm talent I mean it's it's completely there it's clearly there I think you know when Lincoln Riley came to Oklahoma he's never had one of his quarterbacks grade lower than second in our grading system and I don't see that changing with Spencer Rattler I think he might even be I I mean it's very very early but if you told me you know he's going to end up better than Baker Kyler and Jalen Hurts I would say I mean I would believe it that's for sure Ian Book, uh, you know Notre Dame played. They actually had some fans there too. What did you think of Ian Book? Yeah, and this was um, I was trying to tell a lot of people before this Duke matchup that I do not assume this is an easy win. This Duke defense isn't—it's not a great nor elite one, but it's a good one. And Ian Book has struggled against good defenses. And you're looking at, like, last year, he perf- his best performances were easily against the three group of five schools he played. If I recall correctly, it was Navy, Bully Green, and New Mexico, or New Mexico State, one of the two. And that's where all, all of his great box score stats came in that game. He had over 15 touchdowns in those three games alone. And you're looking at the PFF grade, it was right around 92. But when he faced a power five defense, that dropped down to 67. And that kind of, you know, you're looking back at this past weekend, he had one of the lowest grades from a clean pocket. It was down in the low 50s. I think only Brock Purdy graded out lower in those situations. And kind of verified that. And 
that he has a great offensive line. It was our offensive line of the week. It's our number one offensive line in all of college football. Yep. He just really couldn't take advantage of those clean pockets. He made a couple of bad decisions and kind of just fell apart there. Who are you anxious to watch this weekend that hasn't played yet? Ooh, that's a tough one. I think I would have to roll with Tylen Wallace of Oklahoma State. Okay. Um, so he tore his ACL middle of last year, and he's he's been used very differently. His usage before his injury in 2019 and then back in 2018 were drastically different. I mean, one year he's getting, you know, he's being worked vertically downfield, and another he's getting worked underneath. And he proved that he can be, he can do either thing. You know, he can blow past the defensive back for an open target. He can win in contested situations or on a screen, he can create just a highlight real play, you know, 40 yard run after the catch. So I think I'm most looking forward to watching him of, of all the guys that haven't played this year, at least. Uh, what was your best defense of the weekend? You know, talk about Notre Dame having the best offensive line. What was the best defense of the weekend in terms of grades? Yeah, in terms of grades. So there were, there were a few of them. And I think, I, I mean, I don't want to say, I, I, I mean, I have to roll with Pitt. But I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, Kansas, you, Kansas is out, so I got that part. All right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about that. That was a little bit of a disappointing one. Yeah. Sure. Really? <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, Pitt, I would say Pitt's up there. I know it was Austin P, but I mean, even before the game, I knew, I mean, Austin P's offensive line, we graded the first game when they played Central Arc, and I knew they gave up a lot of pressure that game, and they were facing a very menacing Pitt defensive front. And, to, to no surprise, Pitt just absolutely, I mean, obliterated them there in that facet. So, I mean, they were the defense of the week, but it's kind of like at this point, it's just kind of, you know, you can't put much into it, this much stock into it quite yet. Uh, last weekend was a weekend of limited games. Uh, how much easier was, was it to negotiate a weekend like that for you in terms of looking at film because there weren't as many games? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I still go back and watch watching all. There's no doubt about that. This week's this week's set of games is probably a little bit more, I would say, weaker um, in terms of what we got going on. We have a lot of more, you know, Power Five schools competing, but against lesser teams. But I, w- I will say this weekend we have some good ones with Miami, Louisville, of course. But I think an underrated one is App State Marshall. And I, I think I might be, I don't know, maybe the 1% of college football fans that are excited for that game. But I think that's going to be a good one with Grant Wells, the quarterback, and then uh, App State's outside cornerback duo and Sean, uh, Sean Jolly and Shamar Jean Charles. Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, by the way, uh, Joe Burrow, Baker Mayfield, who you got? Oh, Joe Burrow, for sure. I think, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I, I hate to give up on Baker. I thought he would bounce back this year. But, I mean, after that week one game, it just still did not – it, it he did not look comfortable out there. He missed a lot of throws. And then Joe Burrow, I mean, he obviously didn't play a perfect game. That, you know, he kind of just pitched it into Melvin, Melvin Ingram's guts for that easy interception. That was obviously not good. But – you know, down the stretch on that final drive, we saw classic LSU Joe Burrow come to fruition. He threw almost every single pass just absolutely perfectly. He put the ball in perfect position on that comeback to A.J. Green. Fortunately, there was OPI, but, I mean, he really could not have executed a better final drive than that. And when you're considering he didn't have get a limited offseason, no preseason reps, that was his first time seeing another NFL defense besides his own in practice, and they can't even hit him. I got. I was very, very impressed with how he played, and I think he's going to ball out tonight. 
Welcome to another season of Cleveland Browns football. All right. <laughs> Anthony, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for your time. Appreciate the hard work and the great information. Of course. Thanks for having me on. Anthony Tresh from Pro Football Focus. All right, coming up, the press conference, Sandy Barber, James Franklin. Uh, today, we'll hear part of that in the next half hour. Great to have you with us. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Humble's Wharf on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Great to have you with us on the show today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. All right. Um, There are a lot of elements to this, but I think the integrity of the 21 season now becomes very important because you're not going to have two seasons so close together. There'll be a normal ending time to this season, which will then allow you to get to a normal calendar if coronavirus allows it to be a normal calendar uh, in 2021. It means you can play a full season of 12 regular season games. It means that you and it will be the same thing in basketball. With basketball starting November 25th, you'll also have a natural ending to that that's on time as well. And the basketball part, we haven't even been able to deep dive into yet, which we will. We'll get, Believe me, we'll get more into that. But they'll be allowed to go to eight hours next week on the floor. Then October 14th, full practice, full games uh, start on the 25th. There'll be no scrimmages. I'm talking about scrimmage against another team. And no preseason games. Normally you get one scrimmage, one preseason game. Penn State's tournament in Charleston is going to be moved to Orlando. That's where ESPN, uh, that's an ESPN-owned and operated tournament. They want to take their owned and operated tournaments. They want to move them to to Orlando. Now, what the date is, we don't know. But it's not going to be in Charleston. It's going to be in Orlando. So those are just little items that we know. Other than that, not as many answers. Remember we were telling about November 25th? I kept saying that was the lead, that was the lead. Then suddenly the last few days I mentioned November 21st. What happened was is that they did talk about November 21st extensively. But in the end, the sway factor was this. By playing on the 25th, starting on the 25th, it gives you a few days with students off campus because that's Thanksgiving break across the board for virtually everybody. And that was really the swing factor. It may be only four days, but those four days ended up being an important factor in what they wanted to do. Uh, You can play a maximum of 27 games. The 28th game will be your the opening round of your conference tournament. The floor, I think the floor was 17 games. And they would like to see a minimum of four non-conference games. That's what they'd like to see. If you can't do it, you can't do it. But that's what they'd like to see. So that's college. So that's some of the answers to college basketball, not all. Now you have to get a schedule. You have to get a schedule now. What does that look like? Do you reschedule some of the teams you already have? 
All this while we're waiting for a Big Ten football schedule, which maybe by tomorrow we'll have. I mean, the only reason I say that is that Barry Alvarez said yesterday by the end of the week. Well, in my world, the end of the week's tomorrow. But they're also not going to be playing for, what, five weeks? So... And Penn State is practicing today. They had yesterday off. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com on News Radio 1070, WKOK. Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is The Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Proud to be brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great new product lines. Ah, maybe you either prefer or your budget prefers a pre-owned vehicle. They have fabulous pre-owned inventory. They go through it with a fine-tooth comb. Great sales staff, great deals to be had, service department fabulous, all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sunbury Motors Studio will get a little additional workout again tonight. Sunbury Motors Studio has been now the home of the uh, Penn State Coaches Show. Uh, back in April and now since we restarted back on September the 3rd. And back in here tonight, Sandy Barber will be our opening guest. Uh, Sandy will join us about 6.10 and then at 6.30, offensive coordinator quarterback coach Kirk Shiraka will join us for the final half hour of the show. Speaking of Sandy Barber, she had a press conference earlier today with James Franklin. They talked about the process and moving forward. It's a, uh, an exciting time uh, in this roller coaster. Uh, you know, yesterday's uh, announcement by the chancellors and presidents uh, of the Big Ten, uh, which gave us the ability to move forward, is uh, is really it's a it's a great decision. Um, it's a great moment for us on a number of fronts. Uh, first of all, from a health and safety standpoint, uh, you know, the decision was guided by science, by medicine, by data, uh, as it as it always has been. Those things have. De- guided every decision uh, that we've made in, in, in this conference. I was uh, privileged to have an opportunity to serve on the task force, serve with Jim Borchers from Ohio State on the medical committee, um, and just appreciate everybody's uh, collaboration and, and teamwork there. It, it was pretty special. Um, secondly, I'm really excited, and I know James is, uh, but excited for our guys, excited for our football student-athletes. They've sacrificed a lot uh, to get uh, to this point. Um, I've been proud of the way that they've advocated on behalf of their ability uh, to play. They've advocated for themselves, used their voices, um, and I'm thrilled that they get an opportunity uh, to, uh, to prepare to and, and to play the game that they love. Um, thirdly, it's always, about, uh, it's always been about putting together a plan uh, and, and a path forward uh, and to do whatever it is that is, uh, that is safe uh, and that is recommended by, by the medical experts. Uh, so, 
to put the students, coaches, staff, and our community uh, in, uh, in a position uh, to do the things that, as many things as we can from a daily life standpoint during this pandemic. Um, and I believe very, very strongly that that's certainly what we did. Um, and then finally, from a yesterday's decision standpoint, it's, uh, it, it really provides a path for all 31 of our programs uh, to move forward uh, in, uh, in 2021 uh, and let all of them uh, play the sports that, that they love. Uh, also of note yesterday, uh, the NCA Council did meet, uh, made a number of decisions. Uh, they, uh, they set uh, the championships for the spring, for the fall sports that are moving to the spring, that are moving the championships. Uh, they established November 25th as the start of both the men's and the women's basketball seasons. Uh, they made election day uh, uh, free from practice, free from any what we call CARA, accountable uh, uh, athletic related activities. Um, and they also extended the uh, recruiting, NCA recruiting dead period uh, through to January 1. Uh, so lots of, uh, uh, lots of activity on that front, and I'll be happy to answer questions about it. We'll now go to head coach James Franklin for his opening statement. Appreciate everybody getting on. Um, I think you know you guys have heard a lot of this stuff's already been been covered, but um, we are excited, you know, um, because we you know, had an opportunity to be able to get in front of the Big Ten and and speak on behalf of our student athletes and their parents. I think that's an important piece that uh, the feedback that I was getting from our parents as well as the players is they wanted the opportunity to compete. I think what the NCAA and what the Big Ten had done, obviously allowing student athletes to opt out if they weren't comfortable, I think was a very important piece of all of this. Um, but that ones that, that ones that wanted to compete being able to have the opportunity to do so. So, um, you know, from the beginning, I thought, uh, you know, Penn State, specifically Wayne Sebastianelli and, and Andy Mutton when it comes to football, uh, really did a good job of, of being extremely detailed and thorough uh, and working, obviously, um, you know, with, with Penn State Medical Center in, in Hershey as well. Um, I thought they did a really good job. And we tried to keep our parents informed along the way, tried to keep our players informed along the way. Uh, it wasn't always perfect uh, because from a timing perspective, we weren't getting the information uh, as quickly as we would all like. Uh, but when we did, we were able to get that to them. Uh, and at that point, they made it very obvious that they wanted to play. So at that point, it was it was my, my responsibility and to partner with Sandy uh, to, to give us the best chance to do that. So you know, we're excited about it. It's not gonna be easy. It's gonna be challenging. Uh, we're gonna have to continue to make great choices, uh, not only as a football program, but also away from the football program uh, in our behaviors as coaches and, and, as, and as student athletes. Um, but, but we're up for the challenge and excited about the opportunity. So I appreciate you guys being on and uh, look forward to answering questions. We'll start with Mark Wogan or Mark Brennan from Lions Fight on State. Thanks, Chris, and, and thank you, James, Sandy, and Jev, who I see there. I appreciate uh, you guys taking the time today. This question is mostly for you, James, but Sandy, feel free to chime in. I wonder what impact this kind of roller coaster has had on recruiting, kind of going from a spot where it looked like you would be on the sideline, maybe at a competitive disadvantage, to now that you're going to be back uh, on the field in the season. 
Well, let, let me let me say this. Um, it has had an impact, but but let me let me say this. I, I want to be I want to be clear on this. Uh, th this class is not done, but up to this point, though we haven't gotten it done. We we have not recruited up to the standard that we normally have, and and I can make excuses. I can come up with a lot of reasons for that, but we haven't gotten it done the way we normally have gotten it done. And there's a lot of factors that go into that, but that's just the reality of it. Um, you know, moving forward, it's complicated. It's it's different. Uh, obviously, you don't have uh, official visits. You don't have unofficial visits. Uh, you don't. You didn't have the spring game. You didn't have spring practices. Um, you know, and obviously where we're located, it's not like we have a bunch of recruits uh, that live within an hour of campus. This is a place you gotta, you gotta come and see. Um, you know, I'm a huge believer that we are, in my mind, what you think of when you think of the true college town on a postcard, but it's one of those things you gotta come and see and appreciate um, firsthand. People can explain it to you all they want, but but you got to come and see it. And, and part of seeing it, a big part of our experience is our fans and the support that we get, not just for football. You know, you go to a volleyball game on a Tuesday. You go to a wrestling match on a Wednesday or whatever it may be. Uh, I think that those are the things that makes Penn State so special. You know, so um, it's been different. There's no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, we got to be able to adjust and we got to be able to, uh, you know, make some strategic changes and find a way to, to, to get it done and be successful. But up to this point, we, we have not lived up to our, our normal standards uh, with those things. And I can, I can point out a lot of reasons, but at the end of the day, uh, the, did you get the job done or not? And I should have mentioned before, if you can address either Sandy or, or Coach Franklin, uh, with your your question, that would be great and very helpful. We'll go to um, and, if, and, if you, and if you could also turn your cameras on, I, I've missed some of you. <laughs> I'd like to see your faces. Come on, Brennan. I want to see them shorts and those legs. Break them out. We've got uh, Parth Upadier from uh, the Center Daily Times. Parth? Hey, Coach Frank. This one's for you. Um, you spoke about it a little bit, but just with the reduced practice times, you know, being 12 hours a week and now – kind of having to all of a sudden ramp up, you know, with your guys also in class. Um, what's that going to take for you to get your guys back into the swing of things as if it were late July? Well, I think the biggest thing for all of us is we just can't look at anything like how we've done it in the past. This, this is all different. The schedule is going to be different. Um, you know, um, camp, if you call it camp, is, is going to be very different. Um, one of the areas that's probably a little bit, you know, maybe more similar than different than most people is we normally have school during camp. Our, our summer school sessions is very different than anywhere I've ever been before where our guys are usually going to school. Not, not normally a full load, obviously, like a fall, uh, but it's just going to be very different. And from a practice perspective, from a meeting perspective, um, you know, leading up to the season is just going to be very different. So I just think we just have to approach it that way. And if you try to keep forcing it back into the normal model, that's not going to work. So it's going to be being creative and thinking outside the box and, and working not only with the staff and, and the training staff and the medical professionals, but also our players. 
and and talking to them as well uh, to come up with what's best for 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 Penn State football moving forward. I think it's also learning. You know, I watch some of these games and listening to the coaches what they said after the games and how things worked out. Uh, whether that's in the NFL or whether that's college, a lot of the things, a lot of the mistakes, and a lot of the issues that we always see early in the season, I think are magnified right now. You know, I think are magnified right now. If you think about us, I know uh, some of the other coaches said it on the Big Ten call this morning. I mean, when was the last time a Big Ten football player tackled anyone? You know, most of us, we had no spring practices. So there's also an aspect of that that we got to get ramped back up to get some tackling in because you can't go from last season to your first game and never tackle. You know, so there's going to be a time and a place for that as well. <clears throat> We'll go to Bob Flounders, Penn Live. Hi, James. Hi, Sandy. It's good to talk to both both of you. Uh, James, I wanted to ask you, um, do you think there's – I have to ask, do you think there's any chance – are you leaving the door open for a potential Micah Parsons opt-back in? I know, I know that might not be possible, but do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah. You always keep the door, the door open, but um, – yeah, I think there's obviously a big difference between somebody that opted out a week ago compared to somebody that opted out multiple weeks ago. It just it makes it more complicated. Um, you know, so it, it was pretty fun, you know, hitting Micah up right after it happened and then watching all, all the fans going crazy. And um, you know, so we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see how, how it all plays out. But it, obviously it makes it more complicated uh, the longer they've been gone. Um, but I also know that Micah, as well as others, you know, probably wouldn't be in this situation, um, you know, if it wasn't for, you know, the circumstances we're, we're under. So, again, I don't think that anybody, uh, the NCAA, the Big Ten, Penn State specifically, can just kind of put this back in uh, kind of to the same box that it's always been in because, Nothing right now is like it's always been, you know. So, so we'll see. Um, I, I'm, I'm, as you know, I'm a positive guy, so I'm going to try to see if there's a way we can work it out and get him back here if it's in everybody's best interest. Most importantly, Micah's. Um, but yeah, we're always looking. I, I don't know if you got any eligibility yet. You let left Flanders. I don't, know, I don't know if you can help, but if you do, you might try to add you. We'll go to Nubias Wellborn from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Hey, Coach. How's it going, man? And Sandy as well. Thank you, guys. Welcome back to football. Um, Coach, quick question for you. You mentioned earlier the tackling, I guess, building up calluses. I know without giving up game plan, like, how are some – what are some things you can share about what that plan may look like to get players back acclimated to hitting and going through that course? Yeah, I, th I think the hitting. I don't. I don't want anybody to misinterpret what I'm saying because the the reality is, uh, the college football I've been around. There's very little hitting anymore in in practice. You know, um, and that's that's in every conference that I that I've been in, uh, and that's the same as the NFL. But yeah, there's an aspect of it. You're going to have to do some of that. You're going to have to do some of that before we get back going. And I think it's been it's magnified, obviously, with not having any of that for spring ball as well. Um, but for us, it, most importantly, it's getting the guys back out there and getting them in great shape and, and getting some of the timing and the precision and the passing game and the communication and the chemistry that needs to be built. 
that's probably the thing that I am most concerned about is the chemistry stuff. Like, usually I'll have the guys over to my house a lot, you know, uh, you know, whether it's in the house in the basement watching games and eating or whether it's barbecuing or whether it's taking them to champs or whether it's taking them to the bowling alley and just having some fun. Well, when I talked to my trainer, I said, hey, I want to have the freshman over my house for, for dinner next Sunday. Are you okay with that? And he said, okay, you can do it, but you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, and you can't do this. It, it didn't sound like a whole lot of fun by the end of it. You know, a boxed, pre-boxed pre, uh, pre, uh, meal, uh, you know, you know, snow six foot. Everybody's got to be outside of six feet. Social distancing. You know, by the end of it, I'm like, this doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun. So that that's going to be kind of the interesting thing is how do you, how does it not just football, 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 and school without some of the fun things that we all do as coaches to build that chemistry? Um, that's important. And well, it sounded like. Thanksgiving dinner the suit. Six feet apart, box lunch. That sound fun at all. Hey Matt, by the way, Matt's you got your first TV game, right? I think Matt quit. All right, we'll wrap it up in a moment here on News Radio ten seventy WKOK brought to you by Sunbury Motors. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Our thanks uh, earlier in the show to our roundtable discussion on high school football, Zach Showers, Greg Wetzel, Dave Ritchie. Uh, Our thanks also to uh, Anthony Tresh from Pro Football Focus. The Virginia-Virginia Tech game has been rescheduled for Saturday, December 12th. Meanwhile, the Mid-American Conference out of nowhere, after their commissioner said no way yesterday, now, according to the Toledo Blade, uh, they want to play. They'd like to play an eight-game season, culminating in a MAC title game on December 18th or 19th. So now the Mid-American Conference wants to get back in on this. Mountain West... According to Brett McMurphy, aggressively exploring options for an eight-game fall schedule culminating with a December 19th Mountain West title game. 
This would allow them to be eligible for New Year's Six Bowl games. Not all the schools might play. They mentioned Hawaii, Fresno, and Air Force as the biggest unknowns for a full season. Larry Scott on ESPN said, Best case scenario for the Pac-12 is to start by early November, maybe Halloween. Still subject to county approvals, which we don't have yet. We're going to do everything possible to play this fall, Scott said, and play a Pac-12 championship game and have teams compete for the college football playoff if possible. Meanwhile, USC and UCLA athletic directors did get approval from L.A. County to begin practicing once the Pac-12 signs off on a return to play. And again, they're looking for October 31st. So there you go. And, I'll, I'll uh, believe the, the FC- Pac-12 when I see it. There, you know what? They actually already have an agreement on rapid testing, Matt. They already have that. Right, so yeah, I did see that. A, I just think logistics have, are going to be too much. Well, and we'll find out. Let's see if they can do it. Uh, spring ball, FCS championship playoff field will be reduced from 24 to 16 teams. And the FCS playoff will run April 18th through May 15th. All right. So a lot going on. Tonight, Kirk Shiraka. Talk about the Penn State offense final half hour. Sandy Barber, vice president for Intercollegiate Athletics, will join us in the opening half hour tonight on the Penn State Coaches Show, presented by Pepsi, which you'll hear right here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. So it is, we said on Monday, we set the tone on Monday and said, look, this would be a busy week. And it has turned out to be just that. And it's been a busy week for the most part in a good way. You're saying for the most part, part of that busy week I mentioned was the Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball affiliations expiring at midnight on Tuesday. That's why I said for the most part. So right now the Cutters, the Spikes, the Altoona Curve, Erie, all of them, all 160 of them are free agents today. The agreement between Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball in Toto runs out September 30th. Red Sox won today over the Marlins 5-3 parade later on Boylston Street. No? Today's show has been brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com.